Uh, hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean. I am Dark Lord Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> how do I, how do I, I'm Tori. Like, how do I follow that up, Anthony? Thanks. COVID Tori? <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Typhoid Tori. Oh, there you go. He was my favorite Daredevil villain. Oh, that was Typhoid Mary. Never mind. Ray, you haven't. You, you're too busy being clever. You haven't introduced yourself yet. Uh, Rancid Ray. There you go. Oh, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the only asshole without like a cool moniker. All right. Shitty Sean. <laughs> <laughs> like garbage pail kids. Yeah, I was just gonna say. <laughs> Septic. Uh, Septic. I, I like that better. Septic. I mean, same thing, but you know. You're not shitty. I love you, man. No, thank you. <laughs> oh man. So. Oh, what an intro. What an intro. So, guys, what's going on? Well, it's happening. Waiting for that meteorite to hit anytime now. Come on. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, you know, <laughs> aliens or something. I don't know. Yeah, can the Alien Federation please reset the Matrix? Great. How about it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're the perfect tone of voice, too. You're the, like, yeah, I don't like this one. <laughs> oh, man. So everybody had a good transition. At, well, you know, a, a, a decent transition in 2021. I am enjoying being a woman, though. I'm enjoying being a woman now. <laughs> Interesting. I, I rewatched Possessor, and... Um, yeah, I, I mean, the first thing I thought when she, when she woke up in his body was like, is the first thing she did jerk off? Is that like a deleted scene? It just seems like it would be. I don't know. Uh, I would stand up and pee, honestly. I, I would. Whoa, look at that. I still haven't seen Freaks, but I, I heard somebody comment on there's a scene apparently where like when she first takes a leak in Vince Vaughn's body, she's like, do I wipe? <laughs> so that was like, Nice. It's the little touches, you know. Oh, so um, everything's trucking along. What, what what have you guys seen? Somebody give me something. Uh, okay, nothing much. Um, I've been rewatching just because I've been feeling shitty. I don't want to sit there and try to focus on anything new. Uh, so I went back and I watched um, Alien. Aliens, Alien Resurrection. You skipped three? Because I watched that recently. Okay, I mean, I, I think the next time I do all of them, I'll probably skip three, too. I'm done giving, a, giving it in a, fair, a sh fair shake, so I'll just stick to what I like. Um, and I watched uh, Prometheus. Mm. And then I watched Predator. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I, went on, I went on an adventure. Um, fuck, I forgot Predator. That movie is pretty tense. It, it's a, it's, man, I'm telling you, John McTiernan, the best two action movies ever, Die Hard and Predator. Die Hard and Predator. Movie. I mean, Predator's <laughs> an, an immaculate movie. It, I mean, I, I feel bad for it because a lot of people could just look at it and be like, oh, it's just going to be your basic mm -mm. airhead action movie. But fuck, watch, rewatching it. I was like, this is scary. It's, this is that's Jean Claude Van Damme, and this shit's scary. <laughs> that that um, 
Oh man, I don't know. The, the the music I always feel like like those like tribal drums that come in at times and like they they add they're they're kind of like the predator's presence when it's not on screen because you know it's kind of always probably there because it can be invisible. And like just little things like that add so much tension to that movie. And it just it could be so easily dismissed as this like muscle-bound action flick, you know, but it's it's not. It elevates that genre in a it's the best thing Schwartz you know, it's okay, if you look at like Schwarzenegger's eighties movies, there's like an arc or like there's different levels of what's going on in each film. And like, you know, people defend commando to me all the time and whatever. I mean, I don't particularly like it. I'm, I'm not bad mouthing, but I'm just saying like when you watch something like predator and then you watch something like commando, there's such a fucking gulf of difference between the two of them. Like one is just whatever. And the other is like, dude, this is like making an action movie, something more than an action movie. Yeah. I mean, all the, all the care, like all the actors I think are fucking solid in it. Yeah. I mean, Je- even Jesse, the body, written off as just you know a wrestler whatever performer but he's so good in it and you care about all those characters and the effects are so cool and that movie's fucking gory you know it's what like re-watching it i'm realizing i think with fresh eyes like oh shit yeah they blew his chest cavity out yeah right Oh my god, they blew up uh, his head. Holy shit, you know? That, uh, I was taken aback by it. Kevin Same Peter thing, Hall's uh, performance is one of the best things I've ever seen on screen. Who, ever. Who? Kevin Peter Hall, who played the Predator? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. And then, um, I mean, next to his performance is uh, Harry from Harry, Harry. and the Hendersons. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Hey, he's but in he's an episode of Night Court, too. Is he really? Yeah. And, like, the thing is, he's bigger than Bull. Like, that's the Oh, joke. there you go. There you go. Richard <laughs> Powell. Oh. Um, real quick, going around, start with, with um, go alphabetically. Um, who's your favorite of the, of you know, the commandos? Who's your favorite character? Anthony. Oh. Oh man, it's Dutch or it's um, Billy, probably Billy. Ray. Uh. Oh boy. I'm not asking you who you want to leave your fortune to when you die. Just no, no, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> Ray, Mary, fuck, kill, go. <laughs> I'm gonna say enough. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. Um, Dylan than Dutch. Okay. Because there's just, the the movie is oozing with machismo. And there is just such an, there's so much excellence in that moment when they first run it, like Dylan comes to them with a mission. And you, they meet each other by like doing this intense like arm wrestling. Oh, that's, thing. dude, that was like On my air arm wrestling. You <laughs> son of a bitch! Oh. Yeah, and like, come on, Carl Weathers. Like, who else are you gonna get in with an arm like that? Who could get all ripply like fucking Arnold? And like, come, I'm like, shit. You know, might be a little bit of residual action Jackson feeling there, but yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> Tori. Um. So I feel like you're making me pick my favorite child right now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 
it's going to be a tie between Billy and Blaine. Okay. Billy, because he's a badass. He's he's so fucking cool. He can he could sense it's around. I had the biggest crush on him. Um, I love it when he finally gets the joke and he's oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Blaine for the fucking one-liners. Hello. Wow. He's so good. This makes me a sexual tyrannosaur. <laughs> I got to go with Mac and just so oh, dude, the, 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 the Joe Baxter, um, who listeners won't know, but he's a friend of ours and he used to, he used to be the, on drinking with comics. And I, I was in a band with him called Christian fisting and he wanted to actually cover that song, but do the entire song in that lyrical style. So it'd all be, <laughs> we had conversations where we were trying to figure out how you would apply that, that like um, cadence to the rest of the lyrics. It was the most bizarre conversation, but I was like, dude, you have to do this. He's like, I don't know what you'd have to like change the music. <laughs> it was, I wanted it to happen so much. Now, hand me some fun. <laughs> when Max snaps though. Dude. You believe that shit. Yeah, and I love how it. he foreshadows it. He's like, bad place to go crazy, you know, yeah. and they're walking through the jungle, and then he fucking loses it, and you're like, okay, all right, Mr. Duke, we're going to go on this wild ride with you right yeah, now. Yeah, right. Until oh. your head gets blown up like a melon. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Okay. But that's uh, Predator is it's up there with one of the best sci-fi horror movies. Because yeah. to me, it's both. Well, and you, and you basically just rewatched. So that's like the, in my opinion, that's the royal family. They're alien and predator, right? That, and they're they have they're to me they're so uh, rightfully still up there to be the best, some of the best horror movies of all times, mm -hmm. and rightfully so to this day. Rewatching it, hands down, fucking amazing. Could not agree more. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and that, that and aliens does something that like gets repeat that like the the, the story the basic story <laughs> of like we're gonna go in there and we're gonna find this thing. Oh no, we found this thing and it's a lot deadlier than we expected. Now we're gonna run away from this thing and try to escape it while it chases us and kills us all down one by one. That structure itself has become like. Um, such an archetype. So it's yeah. A, yeah, it's an archetype. It's so repeated in yeah. in horror films. It's so repeated in other kinds of films too. You know, like they do it in like action movies where it's just like, oh my god, we fucked with the wrong guy. And now they're coming after us, and we right. gotta get away from them and get back to base or whatever. Like just that structure is amazing on that film, and uh, you don't even realize the time, at, like how long the movie takes. As you're watching it, I think like the, like Aliens is like two and a half hours, isn't it? It's Depending on the cut you get, yes, close oh. to. It. Yeah, um. I didn't. I didn't realize how many of the Space Marines were wiped out in that the when they go to. Oh, that initial scene. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I for some Fuck reason is, I man. thought like at least. Uh, Drake, the blonde, I thought he survived a little longer, but no, it was only like three of them that survive and get out. Uh, yeah, it, it goes pear-shaped really fucking fast, which is, 
I mean, everything about that movie, oh, it's just, it's so, you know, oh, man, I don't know. Like, it's one of the rare times when, I mean, I love the original, but, dude, that sequel just, it, it I don't know. I, I just think it's one of the most perfect fucking motion pictures ever. And just the way that it plays with the tension and, yeah, I, and part of it is, yeah, they, they fucking wipe them out really fast. And, like, once shit starts, it does not stop. Like, there's yeah. very little breathing room. Um, or, or, you know, like, there's very little moments where you, the audience can take an exhale. Which yeah. really works in its favor. I mean, I remember seeing it as a kid at home and I don't remember what the fuck I was watching it on, but like just watching it with my dad and like, not really, I hadn't seen the original and not even knowing what I was really in for. I'm not even sure how much aware I was of the Zenith uh, morph or like anything about it. And I just remember like, that was one of the, those first moments where at some point I became lucid and was like, Holy fuck. Like this is really intense. So I always wanted to see the footage, um, doctored up to be put back into the into the director's cut but it never did where burke was actually uh cocooned in the hive oh and and ripley comes across him and basically was like here's a grenade good fucking luck and and burke ends up killing himself in the hive i always wanted to see that like fully realized on film and it it was shot and I've seen stills of it before, but it just, I always wanted to see that put back in. Cause I always wanted the fitting end to that fuckhead after yeah. he screwed everybody over. Like I wanted to see that guy just get his comeuppance and you never do. And, and I, but I mean, it's always left open to imagination at said point. I mean, you always knew he wasn't going to get out of that thing in any yeah, right, right. situation. It wasn't going to happen. Ray, what have you seen? Uh, well, just very recently, um, I guess I'll start with that. Um, last night I watched Fingers. I watched uh, it too, but I fell asleep. Dude. Um, oh my god! Oh. But um, it's very odd. Uh, it's very art housey, um, but I did like it, and it actually changed my opinion about a previous film I watched. Um, it's very much in the wheelhouse of like We Are Not Cats or the other film that it changed my mind about because, and I mentioned it on here, um, Irreversible, where I said I wasn't sure if it was horror adjacent or if it was horror. And I would actually, now after seeing this, actually firmly say, no, Irreversible is horror. And I say that because one of the things about Fingers is that there's a character in it who, the whole crux the, the kind of push of the movie is that there's this guy who works in an office and he has these two guys that are coming around terrorizing him and for an unexplained reason they're slowly taking his fingers like taking one at a time like cutting them off and after the first one gets cut off he um he goes to work and this woman he works with who we see interact with uh, goes to a donut shop, and I think, I think her name's Amanda, if I remember correctly, and she buys donuts, and the woman who works at the donut shop has a birthmark on her hand, and it freaks her out, so she throws the box of donuts away immediately when she walks out the store, and then she goes okay. to another business. The throws away a box of donuts. No yeah. way. <laughs> Clearly. Psycho. Um... 
<laughs> but then goes to this other business where this midget, this black midget comes walking out and she freaks out and runs away too. And so you get the idea that she just has some kind of weird trigger with um Anybody like who doesn't look like her. Well, like body, any kind of body um, um, physical abnormality. Yeah. Yeah, but thank you. That's the word I was looking for abnormalities. And so when she gets told, you know, so and so is here to see you, he's missing a finger. She actually like has a strong physical reaction, runs into her, this into her bathroom adjacent to her office and vomits and then comes out and starts screaming like I can't see him. Tell him to leave. He's fired. He's fired. <laughs> and then her boss has to come to her and be like, "No, he's not. You need to calm down." So she has to go to therapy. And in therapy, like her doctor starts working with her on like their phobia and what's going on. And I realized at some point that the movie is not so much about the events as it is about the concept of not the phobia itself, but that life is actually can be a monster in horror because it has the ability to destroy or damage or mangle people in such a way that they become, um, unable to continue life in a normal fashion. Okay. And that is honestly, I mean, when you think about, I mean, he even says it in, in, in irreversible, there's a mo- the mention of time destroys everything. And like, you know, life will continue on and it will, you know, it will, uh, it will uh, it, it eventually th- things will all decay. Like that life itself, the life we have to live and the events we go through d- are the monster that destroy us. And I was like, that's a pretty fucking interesting concept. And I think it carries over to another film. And I mentioned it before. We are not cats or are we not cats? Are we not cats? Where it's again manifested in this strange behavior. Like there's even a mention of a character with Pika in this film fingers. And it just, I think it just reinforces that concept of like life is the monster that destroys us, that, that gets a hold of us and mangles us and destroys us and, and, and is as horrifying as any monster, any other monster that we might run into. So, so we're Ray, checking out. Weird. I, I think you would like that movie Swallow if you haven't seen it already. I need to check that out. That's definitely on my list. That's definitely on my list. That was a little hard to watch at times. Yeah, I believe it. It's the mic sounds, how they mic everything in the mouth. It just fucking grates on your nerves but it's it's yeah. really effective who, yeah who said asmr is fucking relaxing i think it's disgusting <laughs> it has the absolute opposite effect on me it drives up my anxiety actually yeah like the i don't know i can i can see i can watch gore i can watch people vomit in front of me but once you have like spit the sound of the mouth <clears throat> no I'll, I'll gag so gross so- but that I think that'd be um, like going what you're talking about, Ray. I think you would like that movie because it, it to me, I don't know, Anthony. Would you consider it like horror adjacent? It's it has body horror elements to it, but yeah. it's it's more of a psychological horror I would, film. I, I don't know. I mean, bizarre. I feel like yeah. that's, that's come up a lot lately in my own head, as far as like you know, is my my definition of horror becoming too 
broad, but broad. I, I don't I don't think that's the case because I mean you can look at I don't know. I mean I, Ray, what you just said about how life is a monster that can affect the way you live your life, like that's horror. And and also I really I feel like the Cronenberg stuff, like it's it's horror. You know, it's close. Most of that stuff is close enough to horror. Like he he's able to start in one place and kind of branch out, and he bridges the gap for a lot of other movies. Like is Crash horror? I don't know. I mean, I would feel comfortable talking about it on this podcast. I don't necessarily know that I'd go as far as to say that one's horror. Same with Dead Ringers, although Dead Ringers might be closer to horror. No, but I I feel like Cronenberg takes your anxieties or your body possibly betraying you and showing how that's the... That's the the horror. horror Yeah, that's... Well, honestly, I mean, if it don't have titties and machetes, then, you know, it ain't no goddamn horror movie. So I've... And, and that, so what that, are we even here for? That is definitely an, an attitude that is out in the world. And, you know, I mean, that's definitely, if you want to look at like horror as a really rigidly defined genre, I guess, you know, but I mean, I don't, you know, and I know you're, you know, you're mocking or you're imitating that you're not being a proponent of it. But yeah, like that people out there think that way. But people out there also think if you put have a keyboard in a metal band, you're that you're not metal. So or, or you know, oh, Anthony, what do you see? Oh, uh, 2013's Beneath from Larry Fessenden. Which one's that one? No, nobody? Fuck. <laughs> it's about a, a group of teens that are um, out on a lake they shouldn't be on, and there's a giant killer fish in the water. It is the derpiest, funniest-looking puppet fish you have ever seen. However, the film is gory as fuck, extremely well acted, and like emotionally and just tensionally taut. Like it's fucking nuts. Um, the, uh, the 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 kind of the, the dialogue's incredible. Um, it's incredibly well written, and I wasn't expecting this, but I mean, it's festive. So I mean, the guy did a fucking amazing wow, job. In my opinion, I forgot uh, this movie. It's so fucking cool. Um, it, it's like when this fish shows up, it's so laughable to see on screen, but all the drama and all the tension is happening in the boat amongst the people that are like bickering amongst each other, trying to survive and get to shore. And in that, it just makes it this awesome fucking survival horror film. It's really fucking good. And it's streaming on prime actually. So if anybody wants to get around to it, uh, I implore you guys to go out there and check this one out and give us a holler immediately afterward and let us know what you thought of it. I thought it was really fucking well executed. Enjoyed the shit out of it. You know, Fessenden doing Fessenden and can't wait to uh, see that one again. I actually just bought Depraved, so I'm really excited to see that one as well. I oh, I was going to ask you guys, haven't, have you, anybody seen Depraved? I, I, saw saw Depraved. It, I saw it the, the, when it was out, it, you know, it was was it 2019 it was so it's pre-covid i saw it at the what is that little there's a little theater on sunset that's like basically the the cine lounge no the cine lounge or something like that it's like it looks like a screening room for producers um it's in an office building it's just like one little room they have stuff there uh i saw it there and it it's fucking fantastic i really really yeah. a lot 
I, I really, really liked that one. It was, um, I, I didn't expect it to be as serious as it was. Yeah. I love the tie. <laughs> The, the interesting, like, oh, of course, modern Frankenstein ties into Big Farm. Like, uh, of course. Like, I don't know. It's so, oh, very good. But, yeah, I implore you guys. It's on Prime. Beneath is fucking awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch that this week, if not tonight. That's uh, yeah. nice. I, he's, he's ne I, as far as I'm concerned, out of everything I've seen, he's never made a bad movie. I think he's fantastic. And he's somebody, whenever he's in a movie, because he does a lot of, like, walk-ons and cameos and, supporting roles i'm always smiling ear to ear i just really really like him a lot and yeah i love when he was in jug face his cameo in jug face is great um, i've never seen jug face jug face is a fun little creepy cult movie check it out okay cool hmm. who's next well this is one i watched a couple weeks ago but I, I i did not talk about um Really liked it. It's a 2020 flick. Didn't quite make my top, but um, B. Grant, who is the actress in After Midnight, is also a director. Her movie, 12-Hour Shift with Angela Bettis. <laughs> oh, I want to see that. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's happy birthday, Angela Bettis. Too, oh, happy, happy I birthday. Think today, it was either today or yesterday was her birthday. Happy birthday. Man, she's great. Um, this fucking movie, it takes place in like, I think it's 99? No, uh, well, yeah, it's like on, on the eve of Y2K. Um, or, or like right before. I don't know if it's the eve, but it's like the week of or whatever. Um, oh, my God. It, it, so they nail the fashion and the general, like, look of that era exact. From, like, the one character's, like, shitty little rat tail <laughs> and his like weird like that like early aughts like beard it, it you'll know when you see it it's so fucking weird looking um and then just like the, the there's another character like the way she dresses oh it's so the basic setup and it, it's it took me a little bit to realize i'm like oh this is a fucking full-on comedy it is just a bloody fucking comedy it's um it takes place at a hospital and angela bettis working a 12-hour shift but she's a nurse and she has an organ stealing operation set up where her and her shift supervisor they work it out where people that are there that probably aren't going to live they kill them and then they remove organs and they'll put them in a bag and a cooler and put it out by the soda machine out on the loading dock and then this complete moron that is like I forget the character's name, but she, she constantly refers to herself as being Angela Bettis's cousin, and she's not. It's like cousin through marriage or something like that. And she obviously really wants to be friends with Angela Bettis. Angela Bettis wants nothing to do with her, but it's, she, she has to deal with her for this operation. She comes and picks up the organs and then takes them back to like the criminal that's going to sell them. <laughs> it just, they lose some organs, and then from there it just goes... It it is fucking crazy. It is really funny. It is really bloody. It's disturbing, but not in a way where like you feel dirty, but like maybe a little bit. I really liked it a lot, and I Angela Bettis. She's another one. She's just fucking always great. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it. I rented it on Prime maybe I don't know three weeks ago for 
five or six bucks. I totally think it's worth it. Um, and just, I, I don't know. I don't think B Grant, uh, I should have came prepared for this. I don't know if she's done another movie, but I definitely would like to see more from her. Uh, cause I thought it was really, really well done. So yeah. 12 hour shift. Right. Uh, well, I saw Spiral last week. Uh, I like it. Okay. That's good. Um, it, it really surprised me. The ending surprised me. Uh, not that, I mean, not that I I was picking up on the twist, but I just, I thought there was going to be a moment when they were going to be like, because I forget the one guy's name, but he's onto it really from the get go. Like there, it, these people are acting really odd. This place is really odd. Like we need to go, um, but then like I wasn't quite expecting the ending to be as dark as it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it's got a great level of talent to it and good direction and everything else. It's um, it's definitely worth a watch. Okay. You know? Cool. Um, Tori, what else? Um. Oh well. Because of Anthony, I rewatched uh, Hellraiser Inferno. Oh, nice! Yeah, it it, it held up. <laughs> but um, can we talk about because I didn't get to how fucking great VFW is? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, love that film. I rewatched that recently. That's fucking great. So fucking good and such a great cast and oh, uh, it's. It's a nod to so many things I love. Yes. Especially one of my fucking all-time favorite movies, which is the original Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a total nod to uh, Carpenter and the Siege films he created. It's totally that. You're absolutely right. So good. Um, I love Joe. Sorry, Bagos? Bigos? I'm sorry. Um so great i love uh, i mean i love bliss i love how bliss was so serious and so yeah. just gory and then you have this which oh a little bit light-hearted this uh, kind of almost a nod to like 80s action movies yep. the siege movies everything great a little bit of the road warrior thrown in there um god and then the fucking cast Oh, the cast is just incredible. I couldn't, but like, I kept getting like more and more excited every time. Like Stephen Lang, William Sadler, Fred Williamson, Martin Cove, uh, David Patrick Kelly. Yep. Yep. George Went. Uh, everybody, you loved them all. Um, you loved the whole cast. Like you cared about them, and yeah. you wanted everybody to do well. Such a great fucking movie. Like really, Joe. Like applauds to you because so far you've been like five for five uh it's great like you could tell he's an actual he's like one of us this is a horror mm-hmm. fan from the beginning yep probably had like a super imaginative childhood loved all this weird stuff and now he's doing something with it and you can really tell watching his movies like he cares about the craft he loves it oh it was so great practical effects he does a little nod to cannibal holocaust oh there, there was a nod to cannibal holocaust yeah what was it just out of curiosity when he fucking spears the oh, bat- 
I was like, oh my god, it's cannibal holocaust. Yeah, man, I don't know, VFW, that, that kind of wham-bam of bliss in VFW is just, you know, it's, oh man, I don't know, I just rewatched Bliss too a couple days ago, and I've seen that movie like five times now, I just keep rewatching. I fucking, I love it so much. Um, Dude, that was an easy one to keep watching too, like, because I, I feel like, you know, you turn on Shutter, and if that's on, I'll just yeah. end up sitting there for the rest of it, like, it's it's just a super easy watch. Like, and I think what's so impressive about Bigos is if you watch Bliss and VFW, they're so different. Yeah. Well, yeah. he didn't hire VFW. He got hired to do that by Fangoria and he did them back to back. He literally shot them back to back. So, I mean, that's. Well, didn't we see them at the at Beyond Fist like the same night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had just, I think VFW had just, it, one of them had just been like, like mastered or whatever. Like it had just been finished, like presentable. Um, I think, yeah. But if you remember when we saw him there for Mind's Eye, he talked about, remember, I think it was Ray and I were there and a couple of our other friends. And they, they like pretty much everybody involved in Mind's Eye was there except Fessenden. And they talked yeah. about how they shot through that like cold space. Winter, we're like, oh, yeah, I got fucking um frostbite, and well, I mean, it was like such a fucking grassroots. Like, Bigos's mom was the craft service, and like, he's he's doing things on like such an independent, like, I'm gonna say amateur, but I don't mean he's an amateur, but like, he's doing it as a grassroots, like, DIY way, and it's it's carrying him into bigger things now, where like, he's gonna get bigger. You know, like we're like Benson and Moorhead, who it was just announced are directing some episodes of Moon Knight, which episodes of Moon Knight, yeah. Um, but like the way their arc is now going, we're like, oh, look, Anthony Mackey wants to work with them, and and you know, all these like bigger things are coming their way. It's going to happen to Bigos too now. I think, it, like, I don't know. I I think he has an ingenuity that is bar none, and. Yeah, I, but those movies, I, I just think they're going to resonate with me for the rest of my life. I love both of them, BFW and Bliss. You know, and like, a, you know, I, you're right. I, I think the term they use, they, I don't know if they still use it, but it's guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's what I want. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, totally. Like, you watch it, you, you put, if you put all of his films on and you just watch them one after another, they're totally different and they don't, I think that's talent because there's, yeah. there's so many people that you can, you know, you know, certain people when you're watching them, but I think he has the ability to give himself over to the, also to the, um, to the story and know what he has to execute for the story that yeah. he's telling. like, he can, he can do certain things with this one versus this one. And I think he'd know that. And I think he's, it, it shows, it really, I feel like it really shows with bliss. Like bliss is so different yeah, for him and it just works. And I, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think like, it'll definitely get him more noticing more, more eyeballs on his movies. More people will see and go, well, look at the, skill level and this guy can do these things on this kind of budget yeah let's have him make a movie yes give him more money 
Well, it's perfect. It's a it's someone that actually enjoys that type of movie already. And yeah. Him money. Oh fuck yeah! Do it, man. You're what you're making is great, and you're touching on our nostalgia, but not doing the Stranger Things with it, where you're playing an '80s song every other time and right. you know pushing it. Um, he's not re. I don't know, like. I'm not trying to insult the dude. You're not, he's not reinventing the wheel, but he is bringing a little bit different. I mean, bliss is obviously, um, he watched the hunger. Yeah. Bliss is a big nod to to that movie. And it's a big nod to that movie, but it is also its own thing. Yeah. It's, I, I, I haven't seen anything quite like that before like the there's yeah the hunger definitely and there's like a sleaze element to it but ah, man i don't know yeah not yeah like i guess i'm not explaining it correctly no, but no, i think you're explaining it exactly yeah it's just do, doing it a little different um to you know to give us something a little new i i really hope he just does what he's doing i hope it, a production company doesn't put too many stipulations on him because you know it usually happens to these yeah. fucking writers directors so hopefully he gets to keep that independent side and keep doing what he's doing because it's all fucking solid it's, it's yeah. great i i don't he strikes me as the kind of guy that would turn something down if it was not something you know what i mean like if he couldn't do what he does I feel like he's the kind of guy that'd be like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm the right guy. Like, I, I don't see him, you know, directing the next Captain Marvel. <laughs> Although, <laughs> having not seen the, the first Captain Marvel, but I pretty much guarantee um, if he did the second one, I would watch it and it would be better. But <laughs> hmm. Anthony. 2020's The Hunt. Oh, um, Chris has covered that one pretty extensively. I'm not going to go too far into it. Um, it's got a fair amount of CG splatter and some actually decent practicals in there. A couple of familiar faces you see from TV shows. I don't really remember anybody's name offhand. Um, however, I will say that the hour and a half length flew by. I was genuinely you know entertain and laughed out loud quite a bit it, you know with its political satires and whatnot and i'm glad to see that somebody got it right and everybody can now know how evil liberals are nice yeah. <laughs> that's it. Uh, <laughs> it that was a fun movie i, I it was it was it was hysterical it was great but yeah i like that it did um make fun of liberals because <laughs> i'm sorry but like uh, I'm not really that political, but you you get it. You hear it all the time about how horrible right-wingers are, but you know what? They're all fucking terrible. (laughs) Anybody that adheres to one side is usually pretty, you know, kind of terrible. It's like, yeah, I don't know. So it it was, yeah, Anthony, you fucking, you hit the nail on the head with that one. That's a fun movie. I think everybody should watch it, definitely. I just noticed it's on, what is it on? Is it on? stars or showtime or something right now it's on one um, i'm gonna i'll get around to it eventually uh you well that was a short one you got anything else you yeah i got a bunch i got a bunch of shit man give us another one 
Love and Monsters 2020. Um, Brian Duffield. Yes. Uh, entertaining. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, it's cutesy, everybody, and it's beautiful. Um, and it, it, it's kind of, I think it's more geared toward like the um, maybe teenage intro horror film crowd. Uh, I said that it's more in vain to like warm bodies. Mm-hmm but with just monsters and insects and creatures. So it is a creature feature. Um, it's also a romance film, but fun. Uh, I, I didn't love it. Didn't hate it. There's another one Chris touched on that he's, I believe his quote was, it certainly was a movie. or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's enjoyable at times. It, it, it was uh, some of the creature effects are pretty, cool looking there's not a lot of practicals majority of it's cg uh which is one thing that bothered me but maybe that was just a budgetary thing um the one of the gals from underwater is in there she did a good job and the writing was pretty spot on i enjoyed the 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 script and, and acting was great etc i mean that's very generic but that's what i've got to say about a very generic film <laughs> so i mean but in that regard like if that's if that's your shit go for it give it a wow. go. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, but you know, I'm glad I sat down and, and gave it some time. I think it was worth a watch. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I will... it didn't suck. <laughs> right. I, I'm curious to see it just based on, and I, I, I would probably not have seen it um, until I found out that Duffield wrote it. Cause I'm kind of, a, I kind of feel like I want to be a completist now. Cause I, I really like everything he's done so far. So, I'll definitely check it out at some point. Um, what's that on? What did you watch it on? I purchased it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I went well, and paid a lot of money for a 4K copy. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I no. I watched uh, this week. They dropped the first two episodes on HBO of Alex D. Iglesias' Thirty Coins. It's on my list, man. Wow. So, you know, I have, I had a level of anticipation for this, not just because the trailer looked good. I, Alex D. Inglesia is somebody I've never seen any of his movies, but back in like the early 2000s in Chicago, my friend Dennis is really one of the guys that really, I always liked horror movies, but he really got me to be kind of a fanatic. He had this huge collection, not as big as yours, Anthony, but at the time it was, you know, it was pretty big. And, um, he worked where I worked. He, he was the head chef. I was a bartender. He'd get off a couple hours before me. His girlfriend was the night manager at the front desk. So we all kind of like revolved around this hotel with this bar and restaurant. So he'd get off. I'd get off basically about the time when his girlfriend would go to work. So I'd go over to his place and we'd get high and watch a movie a lot. And really cemented for me this kind of like that you can deep dive and find stuff that's not been in theaters and DVD, blah, 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 blah. He had a shirt for day of the beast. And I always thought the imagery, it's that like silhouette of the person with the goat horns. It's an awesome shirt. And he had it on VHS, but nobody had a VHS player. And so he was kind of always like, you know, this movie's fucking awesome. I really like the Iglesia, blah, blah, blah. And, um, his stuff is not easy to find. So he kind of fell off my radar for years. And recently when this 
was announced, I was like, oh, shit. So I added a bunch of stuff on, um, you know, my watch list on, online. And then I noticed now, I, I forget if it's Vinegar Syndrome or Severin. One of them is now, because of this show, putting, like, most of the back catalog, I think, out. So Day of the Beast, like, you can pre-order a, a Blu-ray copy, uh, like a 2K scan, I think, that comes out in March. So I'm going to do that. And there's a, there's a bunch of other. I don't know too much about the rest of his movies. But I just know I had anticipation because I'd always wanted to see Day of the Beast. And this trailer looked amazing. And I'm just going to say, first episode's an hour and 22 minutes long. I think second one's about an hour. The first one, it gives you a little bit more of this, like, like Anthony uh, helped me explain, like a telenovela. There's a little bit of that to it. But it, I loved it. And it has, hands down, the best monster on screen since the ritual. That's a, that's a bold statement, Baker. Bold, so the thing with the ritual, when I watch, and I need to rewatch it, but when I watch that movie, there that first time you kind of get a glimpse of it, I remember being like, "Wait, what in the fuck? Was, what was I just looking at?" And it's not until later in that film where they give you like a side, like a, a wide shot, like side view of it, where. You, it still doesn't exactly make sense because it doesn't look like it looks like multiple things kind of put together during like the forest fire scene when yes. you kind of like see its full shape. Yes, and, and it's like is it? It's like a beast and a person and something. But this thing, you get uh, you, you get glimpses of it in the trailer, and it has like an insect kind of feel to it. But the scenes leading up to oh man, I, there's just there's. The first scene that was like a what the fuck, I was like, oh my fucking God, what is that? And it didn't even look like the monster yet. It was still in its previous form. And then when the, you get the glimpses of it, and then like when you get the full on, like, oh my fucking God, it is just, it made my skin crawl. And that's not easy to do, right? I mean, The Thing is definitely one of those movies where still to this day, if you really like, you're used to seeing like the scene with the dogs in the pen or whatever, you know, or the, like, you know, the, the um, defibrillator scene. You're so used to it, but when you stop and try and look at that with fresh eyes, it is totally fucking, especially the scene with the dogs, always just made me like, what the fuck? Um, but there's not that many other monsters that have done that. You know, I'm trying to think of other examples. I'm sure there are some, but even Cloverfield, like, they do a good job in that original movie of not showing you too much. But even like when you're looking at, there's moments where it's like, wait, what am I looking at? But it never like feels like something that shouldn't exist because it still has is based on, I feel like other monsters we've seen. And that's the thing about both this and the, the ritual, uh, 30 coins and the ritual, or the first episode. The, I, like there's no analog for what you're looking at. I've never seen anything like it before. So it really makes an impression. And it, it's good. I mean, the second episode, it. It goes a different route. It's the same characters. Uh, at first, I was like, is this going to be like an anthology or something? But it's not. It's centered around the small town outside of Segovia, Spain. And the 30 coins, it's Judas's money that he was paid. It's got this awesome opening sequence that is this like hyper-realistic-looking portrayal of Jesus' crucifixion and Judas 
and the aftermath of the betrayal. And it's, it's just something, it's one of those title sequences I don't think I'll ever skip because I'm just, every time I look at it, I see something different. And also it just really, it's just eye candy and it's weird. And it, I don't know, very profound, but um, yeah, like I said, the first episode, it's a little long and, and I didn't have a problem with that, but I feel like maybe some people will, especially because there is, there is definitely a telenovela feel because you're getting the feeling of these people's lives and their relationships. And I think it's also just in him as a director, probably. I'm totally fine with it. And especially when you give me a monster like that, I'm down. So, yeah, I have 30 coins. So they dropped two episodes. I don't know if it's going to be like Raised by Wolves and they'll drop two a week or one a week or whatever, but I'm in for the long haul. I absolutely loved it. And I can't wait for um, Iglesia's back catalog to start in Blu-ray so I can finally see some of these movies. Well, Day of the Beast is the one I've been waiting like years and years to see. So. And finally coming. Hmm. Um, all right. So, Sean, I know this is a movie we talk about a lot, especially over the years. I feel like we've debated about this goddamn movie so much. But <sighs> so recently I rewatched a movie that we talk about a lot. And I have finally pinpointed why I don't like said movie. Okay. And I think, I think you know where I'm going with this one. It is, what is it, 2013's Evil Dead. Yeah. I knew that was what it was. because that's he like knew what, it. He fucking knew it. It's the only point of contention I think we've ever had about a movie. No. So, look at Anthony. Anthony. I'm fucking perplexed. Anthony's movie of the decade, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Next to so, the void. Look. Look, okay, I, it's not that I don't like the movie. It's just, it gets ridiculous. And the blood gets ridiculous at a certain point where it turns me off. I know, I know, I know. But I rewatched it, and this is my problem with the movie. Okay. It, it's a great movie. It starts off really fucking scary, right? But then it loses me. I feel like that movie had such potential to be actually scary, mm. not just gory, but genuinely scary. Cause it does have you there for a minute. And then I felt like it let you go. And then the gore takes over. I could. So are you, are That's you, my problem. are you saying like, um, where it has you with the, with the scare is, is that the opening scene with the daughter tied up and it's like where she's, yeah, well, to me, I feel like when it's when it has to do with evil or possession, like it should be, it, it should have this like malevolence about it, and I feel like that movie has it to a certain point, and then it just gets too gory and just outlandish. I feel like if it had that scare element to it or that creep still with it, then the gore wouldn't be so over the top to me i'm just mad at that movie because i felt like it had so much potential to be a genuinely scary movie and then it loses that at a certain point i can see that i mean it's definitely it's not so much a scary movie to me as it is it's it, the level of intensity in it and and like i definitely i i know it does there is an outlandishness about it and i mean i, I it you know, I love it. I respect your opinion 100%. So I would never try to tell you in any way, shape or form that you're, you're wrong. And like, I mean, different movies also a movie like this 
everybody brings a certain amount of expectation and baggage to the table when they see it. It's inevitable, right? Um, I just, I, I feel like the outlandishness never bothers me. And like, yeah, at one point it's actually raining blood, right? But I feel like visually they do Fuck it. So yeah. Well. Yeah. Visually they do it so fucking well. Like I love the way those scenes look and that the, whatever that, what do they call the thing? Like the, the entity at the end that she's fighting, you know, when she, the, the nemesis or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, yeah, I forget what they call it. By that point, that you ha there has been some very outlandish stuff, but you know the original one. I guess when the original Evil Dead came out, I it's hard to see the original Evil Dead now and think that it ever like scared somebody. I know that that was the case, but again, like it's hard to watch it with fresh eyes now because we've seen it for so long. And also the first one I saw was the second one. Right. So that immediately yeah. you already get the humor. So when you go back and watch the first one, which really there's no humor, but no. an outlandish amount of blood. I mean, it's like the scene where the guy pulls the thing out of his fucking ankle and it's just like, it's clearly done for laughs unless that's the second one. I get, there's elements of both of the, the original first two that I, I get confused because they're so like, they're kind of, different iterations of the same story, right? Um, but there's... Well, yeah. It's part part two is only part one with a bigger budget. Yeah, right, right. But I mean, so there's like things like gore or like gags that happen in... And I sometimes I'm like, did that happen in one or two? And it's hard to remember. But the one where like somebody pulls up, oh, is it the pencil they pull out of their ankle? And then the blood that comes out starts heavy and then goes like fire hose. And, <laughs> and you know, so there's... There's elements of that in the first one, and it's like it's impossible to watch that now and not laugh at it because it's clearly done for laughs when the blood flow looks like it's being done with a fire hose, right? I mean, and Raimi was obviously aware there's an element of camp, and so Fede Alvarez, I feel like I feel like takes that and uses it to a degree, but you know, there's no levity in that fucking movie. What's in the 2013 and I, I appreciate the fact that there wasn't because if they had tried to do that it would have failed um but yeah it's not it's not a scary movie it's intense as fuck i mean there's still a scene in that where i i with the blonde girl and the the fucking tire iron and the nail gun i watch it through i watch it like this every time i watch it it's just so intense i cannot believe that it well, i haven't I, I will never acclimate to being able to watch it without doing this just the fucking tongue splitting scene creeps me out to this yeah. day. I, yeah. I get worked out every fucking time I see it. It's yeah. it's fucking nasty. Um, no, she was fucking brilliant, man. Like she did such a great job, and you could tell like that Fede Alvarez probably put her through the ringer in that okay. movie. Fucking <laughs> it. And then she went back for more with when she did. Uh, was it don't don't breathe? Uh, yeah, don't breathe. And yeah, fucking awesome. But I like I can. I don't, and I don't compare 2013 Evil Dead with the original at all because I can separate them. And I, I rewatching it with like a, a fresher set of eyes, I enjoy, I really enjoyed it this time. Not that I haven't enjoyed it before, but I could definitely pinpoint where that movie kind of loses. Did you watch the director's cut? I don't know if we did or not, to be honest. But it's like that movie Inside. Like, I love the movie Inside, but Inside gets so, like, 
ridiculous with the violence at a certain point, it kind of turns me off. Either of those movies, and you turned me on inside. You let made me watch it. I did not want to watch. I was so afraid of that movie. Because what's your face is brilliant in that movie. Um, but yeah, that movie after a point, you're like, oh, okay. Can we can we do something else? <laughs> you know? Interesting. I don't know. Too much. I'm gonna sound like an asshole. Too much gore. Oh. You you totally don't sound like an asshole. And there is definitely a point I could see. I don't have it with with Evil Dead 2013 at all, but there are movies where it's like, for whatever reason, I was expecting something scarier and I didn't get it, or the gore. It's like at some point, it's like, okay, is this just in place of like anything else? Right. A good story. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, unless you have that tongue in cheek element where, I mean, if you're going to go ridiculous, let's go full on, you know, let's go. Looney Tunes, uh, you know, like Dead Alive, crazy. But that movie to me is so serious and it's so scary. And then it just kind of, I mean, the effects are great. Like the practicals are fucking amazing. Like some of the ways that they torture each other was brilliant. I love it, but yeah, I'm sorry. I really want to like that movie, you guys, but. Hey, dude, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Alvarez. Ray, what do you got? Um, <laughs> well, this is going to be incredibly lighthearted by comparison. But um, I was thinking about things that I watched, and I wasn't sure I was going to bring this up, and then I decided, you know, why not? Um, and that was... <laughs> It was maybe a, a couple weeks back, but I never got a chance to talk about it. I saw on uh, Shutter the movie, uh, I believe it's called Bloodbeat. Yeah, Bloodbeat. And um, it was on their Christmas like holiday section of, of films, and uh, the description was um, a Christmas horror classic. And I think something to the effect of like, and where what other movie can you reference that has a uh, ghost samurai? And I was like, oh, this sounds oh, right. Up, I know what movie you're talking about. Okay. Right up my cheesy alley. And then um, I always, it ended up being uh, Ray. Do me a favor. Never use the term "right up my cheesy alley" ever again. <laughs> No, the next time you use that line has to be like on your dating profile. <laughs> there you go. Right up my cheesy alley. Hey, ladies, come up right up my cheesy alley. And, um... <sighs> okay, blood beat. Uh, or schlock. How about that, schlock. Yeah, that's it, much it, better. It fits my, you know, the schlockiness that I like. Um... And instead, I just was like, what the fuck is this? It, it became, there's, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I, I might actually ask if I could create a special portion of the, this podcast where uh, oh, at least once a month, I, I have the, I refer to, I, I, I nominate a movie for the, the What the Fuck Shutter Award. Because there's certain movies that they put on there 
that like they're curating a collection. So they've got these things. They go, okay, come on. We're, you're paying for horror every month. Come on on. We're going to put stuff up. We're, we're going to try and put stuff up you haven't seen. And there's always that one that I run into that I'm like, what the fuck is this? Why did they throw this on here? Thinking and they and they they not only threw it on there, they didn't throw it on there subtly. They had it on as a feature. It had the big poster on it one time. I'm like, what the fuck are they thinking? Like, I get it. Like, there maybe isn't a glut of Christmas horror theme movies, but what the fuck are you doing recommending this movie? I'm gonna say it right now. This is if the other movie I'm gonna say is not quite horror, but if you have to, if you want to sit down and you want to watch yourself a, I know this is such a weird thing to recommend, but I mean, you know, there's it's not a genre, but there's definitely there's two movies that exist that I know of. If you're going to watch a Japanese warrior of some sort take over a person in a movie. Don't watch Bloodbeat. Sit yourself down and watch Ninja 3 The Domination. Yeah! <laughs> starring Lucinda Dickey of, of, of uh, Breaking Fame, played Kelly. It's fucking amazing. It's cheesy. It's terrible. It's over the top. The acting is crazy. But you know what? The logic of it is terrible. But it's fun as shit. It's got a crazy opening like scene where like they're like the cop, these cop, all these cops are chasing a, uh, this ninja, and he's just wiping out cops left and right. They're pu- they're filling him with bullets. The guy easily has been shot about a hundred times by the time he finally dies, and then decides to take over this poor woman that he ran into randomly as he was dying. And then the whole movie is her trying to fight being possessed by his ninja spirit. Wait, is, are you talking about the ninja movie or the, the blood beat? Ninja 3, yes. Ninja okay. 3. It's called Ninja 3, The Domination. I have no idea what Ninja 1 and 2 were about. Never saw them. Let me fucking tell you, because I got both of them. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> hey, you know what's sad? I've watched them, too, within the last fucking year. I've watched Ninja 3. <laughs> Show you Ziggy's fucking time. amazing. I love that, dude. It's still great. It's still fucking great. <laughs> can, I, can I venture a guess that Ninja 1 and 2 might be about ninjas? It's so weird. It's like, so Shoyusugi, he's part of this rival ninja group against Franco Nero as a fucking ninja. It's so bizarre, dude. Like, it's it's the weirdest fucking thing. So it's like, Sho versus fucking El Topo. It just doesn't make sense at all. And the, the acting is super over the top. The gore is hilarious. Like, it's just like, uh, the audience can't see my... Do you know if it's like me? reaction right now? But my hand is on my face trying to explain this shit. It's so bizarre and fun. And those are on Blu-ray. Go buy them. It's yeah. Just don't don't even look up what they're about. Just fucking watch them. I'm so excited. When you said Bloodbeat, I was like, pick me. I know a fucking another better samurai <laughs> movie. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, I mean Ninja Three is so good, isn't it? Oh my it god. Is. It's cheesy and sloppy, but man, I mean it's great. And like just for the fact that her apartment makes no sense. 
Uh, it is the, the most, sword coming out of the closet scene. Can I, we? There's, it is, but it's the most 80s apartment you've ever seen in your life. And, like, there's no explanation for why she's, like, part-time electrician that works for an electric company climbing poles and then part-time, like, fitness instructor. Like, what? Have you not seen Flashdance? Uh, is that what they were going for? This is Galen yeah, Globus's yeah. uh, attempt to uh, copy Flashdance. Wait, is, is this Ninja or, or Enter the Ninja? Uh, Ninja Three. It's called Ninja Three. The well, combination. You're talking about Ninja One and Two. They're just uh, literally called Ninja One and Ninja Two. No, one of them's Enter the Ninja. Okay, because I, I I'm looking this up and it's yeah okay Enter the Ninja. Okay, I'll have to see those now. Yeah, they got Shoyusugi. That guy's fucking incredible. He was in Pray for Death and a bunch of other fucking rad shit. I really feel like we need to watch all of these shitty like ninja movies from the eighties and then do a rewatch of all like the shitty <laughs> dinosaur horror movies of the late eighties, early nineties. Like dinosaur. <laughs> How do you oh, follow up ninja movies? Say this real quick, real quick. Sorry, it's super fast. it just made me think about that. Uh because uh, I just thought about this because I mentioned Kelly from uh, from Breaking Two, and I just want to say real quick, R.I.P. to Adolfo Quinones, who played Shabadoo, lost at sixty five, Ozone from Breaking. What a loss! Terrible. Did he die last year or this year? No, he died on like January first. Yeah. Wow. Do you think us talking about all the ninja movies, like Michael Dudikoff got like wings right now, or Maybe. he's like yeah, Michael Dudikoff's like so? Wow, <laughs> do, I hear a, do I hear a royalty <laughs> coming in? <laughs> yeah, right. Nice. Oh my god! I'm kidding, Michael Dudikoff. You're beautiful. I love you. You kick my ass. Uh, Anthony, back to you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> not a horror movie per se maybe just as horrific i got to watch um the heaven heaven's gate cult of cults a doc on um oh. hbo max right now so good <laughs> yeah well i remember following this thing like intensely when i mean it was just news coverage back in you know late 90s i was so fascinated about you know what had happened why people open their minds up to think a certain way that, you know, ultimately end up leading them to their demise and never really understanding. And, um, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of led me down like a wormhole over the years where I've, I've always paid attention to, uh, certain cult activities. I mean, I remember watching the whole branch Davidian thing unfold on TV as well, you know, in my youth, uh, but just, I, I, I've said it before where one of the things that like genuinely terrifies me is something like or similar to cult activity where your um, free will and ultimately uh, your life is taken away. I mean, even to the point to where you're overpowered by other people. And that didn't necessarily happen here with Heaven's Gate. But um, it, I mean, it has in, in other cults. But this one, uh, this one just freaked me out. I remember an instance where I had gone out with a friend 
And for some reason we got on the obscure topic of cults. And I remember one of the gals that was in our group just froze up and got quiet because we were on the topic of heaven's gate. And she was like, my aunt was in that cult and she oh, was wow. one of the 39 people that killed herself, uh, killed themselves. And, um, yeah, I just remember I was like, you're a fucking buzzkill. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but never inviting you out again. Yeah, but no, it's cults are just a thing that's always fast. They've always fascinated yeah. me because I my brain isn't wired in a way to where I would ever be susceptible to any of the uh, beliefs or teachings of any of these these you know tenets or pseudo religions, what have you. And it's always been mind-boggling to me, and thus the fascination with them. Um, and just recently, I found a, a cool podcast just called Cults on um, on Spotify. I've been, you know, tuning into that quite often, and it's it's been interesting to hear about the various different ones throughout the world. Um, actually, Sean, I just sent you one about the Ant Hill Kids in Canada. Yeah, I'm get into that. Very just creepy disturbing shit um actually makes heaven's gate seem like i don't know they're, they're heaven's gate seems like a preschool <laughs> but um that was pretty uh intense and horrific at times just seeing what these people put themselves through uh you know just for the sake of the idea of, of higher higher level of existence or you know a better afterlife what have you but that one was uh, pretty intense, in my opinion. It's like again, it, it, it's streaming on on HBO Max for anybody who wants to go out and watch it. But you know, it's ancient history by now. So I mean, if you already know about it, you know about it. Um, I remember seeing that as a kid when it when it happened, um, and then re we're watching the documentary you're talking about, and not realizing how far back Heaven's Gate's gone to the seventies. Around, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? um, yeah, it, and it's super fascinating what these people were convinced to do, like the castration. Sorry, but like just what, yeah, the psychology of it is so fascinating and what these charismatic people can make people, what they can make people do eventually in breaking them down. Um, have you ever been in the Museum of Death, Anthony? I have not, but I heard that they have several uh, artifacts there, like shoes and, and whatnot. Yeah. I think somebody told me about that recently. And I was like, well, I wonder how they acquired them because wouldn't they be all like out of county evidence? Like, I don't understand how that stuff would get out. So that kind of led me to question whether or not any of that stuff is um, genuine. They, they do a, a nice, well, Nice. They have a, a, a kind of a, a display about cults and they, they talk about Heaven's Gate. Um, it was a few things like memorabilia, like the patches they had, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, show how their bodies were found. It was It's very fascinating. When the museum opens back up, I definitely think everybody should go check it out. It's a interesting museum, especially if you're into morbid shit like we are. Was it that, where is it? It's Hollywood? Um, yeah, it was on Hollywood Boulevard, but I think they're moving to a bigger location. Hmm. It's a very cool museum. Very, very cool. It's very interesting. Sounds like it would be. 
Yeah, they have a lot of like serial killer memorabilia, a lot of letters from serial killers. Um, they have the murderer Bluebeard's head. Um, the way they had it set up before, it was like different rooms. Like one room's like serial killers. Another one is talking about like public execution. Um, other, and then another room is um, burial customs of our culture and different cultures, the embalming process. And then it goes oh. into like, Famous California murders, um, actors, actresses that have killed themselves, taxidermy. It's really, it's very interesting. Last one I just want to talk about. I know Anthony watched this too. I don't know if Tori or Ray watched it. I did the fourth part of Sabrina, which is, I guess, the final part. Um, man, out of any show. You watched the whole thing already? Yeah. Oh, I, I, wow. I watched the two episodes. Out of any show... That, like, I wish my world looked like theirs. Like, I love everything about, like, nobody could dress like Caliban and pull it off in real life. But, like, I love the way he, like, I even, I love the way everybody dresses. I love the way every house looks. I love the way every room looks. Like, it's just so fucking cool. It's just the right aesthetic. But, yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought there's definitely a point in that last episode where you can feel them having to hit the fast forward button. A little bit. None of it really bothered me. I thought they had massive balls for sticking the landing the way they did. Um, I don't know. I, re I really liked it. I thought it was in line with the other three parts or three seasons, whatever the fuck you want to call them. And, and I dug it. And if it ends there, I'm totally fine with it. So it was cool. I like that show. No, I'm happy where it ended. Like I said, yeah. if it's that, if that's it right there, then that's okay. But I think I've said that over the last like two seasons. Yeah, and if, I mean, if this is where it drops, then we're good. You know, but you know, if they don't overstay their welcome, I think that's pretty cool. So, what what, what did you did you have um, it, 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 like what did you feel about the overall the fourth part? Mm, uh, I don't think it was as. I think it should have been more Lovecraftian. It's all underlying, and whatever was overt wasn't overt enough. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just going to fly over too many people's heads. But you know what I, I found interesting about that show? So, for instance, with um, Lock and Key on Netflix, they changed. So, in the comic of Lock and Key, the town where it takes place is called Lovecraft. And in the show, they change it to Matheson after Richard Matheson. And the reason for that was because they felt like in 2020, Lovecraft is too, he pushes too many buttons because he was a racist or whatever. Yeah. And I kind of thought that was a little bit like lame about Lock and Key. Um, because I don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah, Lovecraft was apparently a shitty person, whatever. I mean, when you when you invoke the name Lovecraft now, you're not talking about the guy that wrote the letters that made these, you know, slurs. You're talking about a genre at this point, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought that – I thought it was cool that that came out. And at some point, I'm sure in the production offices, somebody at Sabrina was like, man, should we, like, not refer to this as, like, Reverend Lovecraft or or, like, any of the references that they made? And somebody else was probably like, no, let's, why, why, let's keep it there. You know, they did not go with, you know, they, the words eldritch horror are used 
thousands of times, I feel like, in this season. And it's not necessarily my definition. They did a totally different thing with it. But I, as soon as I understood that, you know, I was like, okay, that's fine. And there was the one with the squid, which was super, that fucking scene with where Ambrose has to cut her open and it, like, that you see it moving. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, so gross. I fucking love Ambrose, dude. <laughs> he's, he's one of my favorite characters. Oh, I'm just going to say, based on the last scene with Prudence and the chainsaw, she wins. She's my favorite character. I thought that scene was so fucking crazy. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, that show really, like, you know, puts it on its sleeve that, like, yeah, you know what? Um, we're going to be uh, a little bit hardcore at times. And there was some fucking gore, like, in the episode where, where they followed the others. They followed Sabrina Morningstar through the mirror. And there's like the scene where they're making the cat food. I was like, holy fuck, this is like reanimator or something. Yeah, there's some gnarly shit. <laughs> I was No, they, they they do grab you by the balls a couple times during yeah. during but I I've, and I've said this about the show many times before in, in criticism is that it caters to generation woke a little too much. A little bit. Although I didn't think it was as bad as I anticipated based on when you said that, but but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I've seen things that were more overt with that. Is it too much to ask just to have a story told, you know? Yeah, but yeah. Whatever, you know? It's the, This is the times we're living in, so yeah. it is what it is. It is what it is. But I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, a lot of the character arcs, the, um, and just in general, just the way they did it. And uh, Father Blackwood is just one of the most infuriating characters to me because he, he's so well done. Because he, he, like, he's just you just want to see him killed. So like, he just bothers me when he's on screen so much. Cause I'm just like, Oh, you fucking dick. You're such a dick. Like, you don't, I don't know. I don't feel that way that often about characters. So it's, you know, that when that happens, it's well-written, but I love all the references. There's so many great horror movie references in the season. Oh, dude. There's so many. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Cause it's still, it's still relatively new for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. Let, 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 I'll let everybody else enjoy it. But yeah, there, there was one in particular. I was like, Oh fuck. They went there. And I, uh, it actually melted my heart a bit. Um, I'm really, uh, go watch the fucking show. You're already paying for Netflix. You already watched the other three seasons. Fucking eat it up. <laughs> um, I will say, because we're speaking about Sabrina, one of the best fucking uh, birthday gifts I got this year from Brandon. It is a replica of Aunt Zelda's cigarette holder. Oh, that's awesome. For my jazz cigarettes. Your jazz cigarettes? (laughs) Yes, cigarettes. (laughs) But yeah. Oh, my God. And it's just like Aunt Zelda's. And I feel just as cool as her using it. Dude, I, lo- I love Anzel. I love both of I just, all those, those characters are so fucking great, man. I don't know. It's, you know, again, I'm sure I've said this every year, but it's like as a 40-something-year-old man, like I just, I can't believe that I like, but they, they just did the right thing with it. I don't yeah, know. It's bittersweet, but it's a fitting end. I'm, yeah, I'm glad. Well said. Well said. Okay, I'll check it out. I mean, I have time, so. Oh, you have time. <laughs> I'm in COVID jail. Why not? <laughs> um, well, all right. On that note, let's end it for the week. Um, but we'll do one again soon. 
And uh, yeah, so for the Horror Vision Horror Podcast, I'm Sean. I'm I'm Typhoid Tori. <laughs> I am Dark Lord Anthony. <laughs> and I'm Ransom Ray. I forgot to do the septic, Sean. Damn it. Sweetheart Sean. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that feels good. <laughs>